you don't just tell a story that you feel like, I want to tell this story, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the message. Which I, I hope that's what you perceive when I do tell stories, that I am connect, making a connection, and that it works. But one rabbi tells about this story of a trip that he took. And it's when he was back in rabbinical school. He and some other students uh, went to Germany. And during the trip, during this program, which is called Germany Close Up, and they were hoping to explore the history of the Jewish people in Germany. So as they're walking through Hamburg, I believe it's Hamburg, they found a problem. As they were walking around the streets and going on this tour, they saw no Jewish sites. What they did see were plaques and markers. Some of them read, this was once the site of a Jewish cemetery. The town's main synagogue once stood here. These were once the homes of Jewish families forced to leave in the middle of the night. This is the square where the Nazis gathered all the Jews in Hamburg for registration and deportation to the camps. There's nothing left. In the places where the synagogues, the homes, the schools, the cemeteries once stood were now apartment buildings. Strip malls and these markers. That was the only thing left to even have any indication that there were Jewish people in that town. Now, there are still Jewish survivors in Hamburg. And those that are left behind that had any kind of personal experience from that time period that were in that community, which of course is growing fewer and fewer, just like survivors throughout the world, they continue to tell the stories. Some of the stories are conveyed by the tour guides that have no particular connection at all, except they were taught these are the things you tell people. Now, some of the current residents there, the Jewish residents, they tell some of the same stories to remember their connection to a time gone by, but they weren't able to experience it for themselves. Now, why is it important to tell stories like these and others? What's the value in holding on to the memories that are from so many years ago that most people living today have no personal connection to. Can memories and stories still remain meaningful even when it hasn't actually happened to us? Is there a lesson we can gain meaning from even if we weren't there? or the people telling the story to us weren't there, can something we never personally experienced become an important part of our own memories?
Dr. Susan Engel was a uh, psychologist, and she wrote a book called Context is Everything. I love the title already. The Nature of Memory. She wrote this. As time goes on, we repeat a story to ourselves and think of it as our memory. It is the norm rather than the exception to be unable to distinguish between what happened, what you feel about what happened, and what others may have said about what happened. So that addresses the telling of the story to ourselves, keeping it fresh in our minds so that we never forget it. Now this week in Parashat Shoftim, we see the concept of law and order. This system of law and order that Moses talks about, that God established, has no bias. And when it's followed, there is a re- there's a way that you resist corruption. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy as a whole, we read that Moses goes through these three main sermons, these speeches that he's giving to the Israelites, in order to prepare them for what God has preordained for the community, for their future, in the promised land. But at the same time, he's reminding them of all of the experiences from the last 40 years in the wilderness. And we said it before, Deuteronomy means a second telling. In Greek, it's, that's, that's the Greek meaning. But it's a story being retold about Moses, about a story that he personally experienced. But for the ones listening, it's a story about their ancestors, their parents, their grandparents. This new generation of Israelites grew up in the wilderness only hearing these stories. The stories about the slavery in Egypt. The stories of a miraculous deliverance. But in the retelling of the story, Moses tries to tell them authentic recollections from his own experience about the Exodus. Deuteronomy is a different kind of book than the other four. In those first four books, we follow along and we find ourselves right there in the midst of a story as it's taking place. As we read, or as we, we, we kind of become that proverbial fly on the wall. How, how would you, that's what we experience, how we experience what happens in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. We're that, those flies on the wall, we're, hanging on to everything that's happening as it's happening. And we become part of the story in that way. Through the words that we read, we hear. We hear the conversations between God and Adam. We hear the conversation between Eve and the serpent. We're standing right there on Mount Moriah as Abraham raises his knife to sacrifice Isaac. And we see, as we read, 
Moses, in his very first interaction with God, standing there at the burning bush. And we see his hesitation to become the spokesperson for the Israelites and their leader. And we become witness to the process that God uses that ultimately brings him in front of Pharaoh, issuing the demand to let the Israelites go free. We find ourselves right there with the Israelites as they're leaving Egypt. And they launch out on this long journey, which they didn't think it was going to be that long. But as it turns out, it was 40 years long. But they were heading toward a goal, the goal being the promised land, something that God promised to them. So here we are in the book of Deuteronomy. This story now has us on the banks of the Jordan. And Moses is speaking to all the Israelites. And the best we can tell from the words, they were all hanging on his every word. This is the same Moses that in his own words wasn't able to speak. Not only has he has an undivided attention of an entire nation, but he's also skillfully recounting in detail the story of the Exodus from Egypt to this new generation that was not there as they're preparing to enter the promised land. Susan Ingle, Dr. Ingle, also said that a storyteller can have a difficult thing to do. Our own experiences and stories can take different shapes over time. There are many things that affect how we tell a story or share a memory. Where we are in our lives, who are we sharing these memories with and our own desire to remember or forget? So, We're approaching the High Holy Days. We're also drawing close to the anniversary of a horrific attack on our nation. Particularly the World Trade Center and the Pentagon were affected on September 11, 2001. Do you remember where you were that morning? I do. You remember what you were doing or who was with you? I do. Can you recall what thoughts were going through your mind as you were sitting there watching the coverage on TV? I think for most of us, many similar emotions come to mind. sense of fear, anger, some uncertainty possibly. As the days and the weeks and the months and now years have gone by, we as individuals, and as a community, even more so as a nation, have tried to understand what happened. Even today, some still wonder how to respond and how to move forward. Some people are still paralyzed by it, and they can't move forward. How do we explain 9-11 to our children and grandchildren? How do we become storytellers? How can we keep the memory with us without letting it fade away and become watered down by the passing of time or even forgotten entirely? But you know, we look around and we listen to the news now, the way some people are acting individually and as groups, 
it would seem that they've forgotten what happened on 9-11. Because if they remember it and think about what happened and how that should have brought, brought us closer together and more unified, it's becoming even more divided than ever. So every time the story is retold, just like many of the stories tend to do, it can change, even if just a little. Sometimes things get left out. Sometimes things get added in. Just a few days after those terrorist attacks, Rabbi Peter Rubenstein spoke these words to his congregation on Rosh Hashanah that year. He said this, This year, we are at the text of terror. We cannot close the book. We cannot stay the pen. There is no escaping the horror. It was just about this time, a week ago, that the story was unfolding in all its immensity, in all its sorrow and terror and horror and hurt and pain. Innocent people, thousands, murdered in the Pentagon, on airplanes, in the streets of our city, our buildings, they were ours. They were our neighbors and friends and family. They were ours. They were the ones who woke up and rode with us on elevators to work. They were ours. They were the ones who brushed by our shoulders on the streets. They may have even been the ones who, in whose eyes we glanced in that very morning or the day before. They were ours. They may not have been our fiancés or lovers or brothers or fathers or sons or mothers or cousins, but they are ours. Their stories are ours to tell. Namelessly at first, but now with the naming of their names, they become ours. We carry them on our shoulders. We carry them in our, the melody of our hearts. Our footsteps are etched a little bit deeper in the sand because we are carrying them with us. He's right. We do and we should carry them with us each and every day of our lives. We should never let that memory fade. Just like we remember every Yom HaShoah, we don't, we don't forget those that lost their lives in the Holocaust. We remember them. We keep their memories alive every day. The horrible memory of September 11, 2001 is with us. It was the day our very existence as American citizens was attacked and thousands of our countrymen were murdered. As terrible and tragic that that day was, we can never allow the memory of those events to be forgotten. We have to continue to tell our children, our grandchildren, what happened and help them to understand that we have to do something as human beings, as individual American citizens, to make sure it doesn't happen again. So as Moses is presenting the retelling in Deuteronomy, and we are reminded of the instructions that the Almighty God has spoken, and that by Him retelling and sharing the stories, and by us retelling and sharing those same stories, we can pre preserve the memories. When we consider the impact these stories have on our lives over the years, they're the stories that shape our identity. They're the stories that will create a bridge between our past and our future. In so many ways, 
stories of the past can have an influence on how we move ahead with our lives. Like I said, some people are still stuck. They don't know how to move forward. We have to find the way to move forward. And good stories can make connection to much more than just facts. They can help us identify with what has happened, which gives us that deeper connection to those around us. 9-11 happened in America. We're Americans. It happened to us. Everyone around us had an attack upon them through those events. But think about it. In our time, we have fast food joints. We have Reader's Digest condensed books. We even have drive through coffee shops. It's all about rushing and hurrying and not taking time to stop and smell the roses. Or in my case, smell the coffee. I was actually speaking about this with my Starbucks manager. And we were talking about how so many people go through the drive-thru and they never get to know anybody inside. Because it's not always the same person on the drive-thru window. So one day it'll be Ron, the next day it'll be Bot. Yeah, you never get to know anybody. Inside, you build a relationship with the people you're dealing with every day. And that's what we should be doing. It's not about being fast. Let's get it over with. Let's do it now and be done with it. This is not the Reader's Digest condensed version of our lives and our stories. See, what if Moses, first of all, Deuteronomy was much shorter, but what if he just gave a brief overview of the slavery in Egypt, the plagues, the exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea, giving of the Ten Commandments, without giving the details. The details that include the struggles, the emotion, the manna, the quails, the voice of God coming out of the cloud, and the story of an amazing and miraculous journey from being oppressed under the yoke of slavery to freedom. He could have given a brief overview. But something else he does too. By retelling the story in detail, Moses caused the story to still have life in their hearing. Because for most of those in that generation, and as for all of us, we weren't there. They weren't there. It gives us and them an opportunity to imagine that we were actually there at Mount Sinai when the commandments were given. That we were right there as Moses stood in front of that burning bush. We were right there to hear the voice of God speaking from the cloud and the smoke and the fire. Like many storytellers have the propensity to do, Moses does some embellishing. Because if you do look at the first four books and you see the things he says, especially talking about the Exodus, Moses does embellish a little bit, but who doesn't embellish their stories? As long as the embellishment doesn't leave out the details. But see, in embellishing the stories, Moses brings them a lot to life for us. He puts his own personal emotions out there for us to see and to hear and to feel. So, 
he emphasizes through those embellishments the importance to remember everything that God has done for his people. It's important for us to understand that these embellishments of that 40-year journey doesn't change the story. You can look back at the things that happened during the Exodus and they're still there in Deuteronomy. Again, he just embellishes it a little bit to make it personal. All he's doing is making it relevant to that generation and to those to come, such as us. Even Moses himself, as he's sharing the story, he must have felt the struggle. And by not summarizing and editing out and only sharing the highlights, he's forced to remember that as his speeches are preparing the people to cross over into the promised land, they would be going in without him. So he's reminding himself of that part too. He doesn't leave it out. In repeating the story, Moses is making sure that we don't forget where God brought us from. Who our ancestors were and the pain it took them to come to a time of freedom, be free from oppression in that generation and ours. He encourages them to continue in faithfulness with the laws that the previous generation agreed to when they were at the foot of Mount Sinai. So his expectation would have been that they take ownership of the story and proudly teach it to their own children. Even though we read this in every parsha of the Torah over and over again, each and every year we should always consider ourselves blessed to be able to do so. Back in Parashat Beshalach, specifically Exodus 13.8, we read, You are to tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what Adonai did for me when I came out of Egypt. It had to be personal. Let's not forget the admonition from the Passover Haggadah. Behold, door of a door. Chayav Adam lirot et atzmot ki ilu hum Mitzrayim. In all generations, it is the duty of man to consider himself as if he came forth out of Egypt. Everyone. I came out of Egypt. By God's mighty hand and outstretched arm. Sometimes it might seem like the repetition of a story is wrote. And sometimes it may even seem a bit unnecessary. But sometimes it can reveal new lessons every time. I've used the illustration before, but I, I think it's fitting. You know, I've seen any given movie multiple times. But then when I watch it another time, it seems like I'm seeing something I never saw before. Does that mean that magically they added more things to the movie? No, I just didn't see it. 
So the next time some more is revealed to me, something new comes out of it. Because it's not something new. It was there the whole time. So the repetition allows me to absorb more information. So just like we tell our family history to our children and grandchildren, so that they will know where they came from, where we came from, we look each and every time we go through the Torah, meaning in the record of our tradition, namely the Bible. In Deuteronomy, Moses had first-hand experience. But through his words and the experiences he had, we try to find some common understanding through his storytelling. Just like that modern-day Jewish community in Hamburg tries to maintain their community based on the stories and the memories of the Jewish community that once existed there. Moses is trying to strengthen a new community of Israelites while they prepare to cross over the Jordan and enter in and possess the promised land as a community. I pray we would find strength, that we would find inspiration when we read and hear the stories and memories that Moses shares with the Israelites, as well as those same stories and memories that we hear and share with our family, friends, and our community. It's so hard sometimes to remain focused, to remain steadfast as we go toward our goal. We have to remember everyone that came in before us. Not just our parents and grandparents, but even further. All the way back to when God established His people. And He called us to be a holy nation. Moses is a storyteller. The story is ours. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank You and we bless You that You have recorded or had recorded everything that You have said and done for us to read today. We thank You and bless You that we are in a nation that right now allows us to do just that. We pray, as You prophesied, or had Your prophet prophesy, that You would put Your Torah, Your Word, Your laws, Your instruction on our hearts. So that if they ever take this away from us, we take away this Bible so that I can't hold it up and read it, I pray that you will have written it on my heart and the hearts of all your people. That we can recall everything that you said. As we continue through the book of Deuteronomy and listen to Moses' words, retelling and recounting everything that you've done for your people, Let it become so a part of our lives that we don't even need this book. All we need is your Ruach HaKodesh to bring it back to our remembrance. 
We do lift up the our, your people in Texas and pray for your comfort, safety, and shalom to be upon them as this hurricane is crashing down on them. We pray for your hand of protection. Not only for those we know, but even those we don't know. Because you love them all. Not only those we can name by name, but those unnamed people that are going to be affected by the devastation. I pray that you would even protect those that are ignoring the warnings and trying to ride out the storm and show them that it was you that protected them when they come out unscathed. Pray that they would not take your glory. Let us never take your glory, Abba. For we can only do things through you, through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and our Savior. We have our life, we have our being. In Yeshua's name, amen.